Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our brand new series, Real Home. One of the greatest opportunities in life is to be part of something that will outlast oneself. Sunday, February 2nd through Sunday, March 16th, we will follow the incredible journey of Nehemiah as he risked it all, joining together with others to initiate an effort that would outlast them all. Together, we begin a journey at Valley Point Church towards a new home. Don't miss out on this incredible time. and Don't miss out on this opportunity to be a part of something that will outlast us all. I have really enjoyed walking through the opening chapters in the book of Nehemiah that share a simple story. It's a simple story about how a guy realized that something could be better. And that something was his hometown. It was the city of Jerusalem, which was destroyed and broken down and in ruins. And he had this great burden to go and fix it. And he knew he could do something about that. And so he began to pray. And God opened up the doors for him to return to his city and begin the process of repairing and restoring things. We're in week number six of our Real Home campaign. We conclude everything next week with our Commitment Sunday, and I hope and I pray that you will be here as I believe we're going to see a very generous act of God as we take this significant step of faith together. Before we get there, though, I thought it would be very beneficial just to go back a little bit and review about where we've been and what we've learned so far from Nehemiah's life and from his story. So in week one, we talked about the prayer. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, we discover that some people come to Nehemiah and they deliver some very bad news to him. The bad news is that his hometown is broken, it's destroyed, it's ruined, it's burned out. And the response that happens when Nehemiah hears that is he is completely devastated. And he begins to weep and to cry over his city. So what he does next that is absolutely remarkable. He prays. He just gets flat on his face before God and he prays and he asks God to use him to do something about his broken city. That's chapter one. In chapter two, we talked about the moment and Nehemiah was confronted with a moment that he could step in and up and through to begin to accomplish what God wanted for him or he could step back and shrink back in fear. And what we found out in the opening part of chapter 2 is that Nehemiah doesn't shrink back at all. He steps through that moment, and God really begins to use his leadership. In the second part of chapter 2, we talked about the opportunity. And it's here that Nehemiah is actually on the ground. He's in Jerusalem, and he has the chance to see everything that he's been told about how bad it really is. And it's interesting to me because I think in that moment, he had the chance right there to say, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Too much money. Too whatever. And he could have just gone back to his nice, comfortable life and his nice, comfortable job. But we discovered in the second half of chapter 2, that's not what Nehemiah does. Instead of seeing all of the rubble, he actually sees an amazing opportunity for God. Where if God can pull this off, everybody is going to know that it was him and his name will become famous. 
And not only did Nehemiah see an opportunity for God, but he also saw a great opportunity for God's people. Like, we can be involved in this as well. We moved into chapter 3 then and talked about the work. And in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, he actually begins the process of assembling all of these different teams and putting them together and assigning different individuals and different families around portions of the wall. And what we find there is that the construction begins and energy and momentum is growing as they are sensing God is accomplishing this through us. And it was just a great chapter. Last week, we talked about the opposition. Once enthusiasm began to grow and the work began, what we found out is that not everybody was cracked up about this. Not everybody was excited, and not everybody wanted to see a restored Jerusalem. And so there is real opposition, and the enemy comes to discourage and to demoralize God's people and keep them off of the wall and keep all of this construction from happening. But Nehemiah rallies the people, and what we read in that chapter is that they had a heart and an enthusiasm to accomplish the task in front of them of rebuilding that wall around Jerusalem. And so the work continued in the face of opposition. So the prayer, the moment, the insight as to what he saw when he got on the ground, and the work And the opposition, that's what Nehemiah experienced as he took this huge, bold step of faith for God. By the way, these are all of the same things that we're experiencing as we take our own bold step of faith and choose to build a permanent facility on our Bethel Road campus. We're walking through all of the same things. We've prayed, and we've prayed again and again and again, and don't stop praying. Okay, because even though we've prayed already, we need a lot more prayer along the way. And I want to actually invite you tonight to our prayer event on our Bethel Road campus from five until six, where we're going to pray on our property for our project and for what God wants to accomplish through us. It's just going to last an hour. We're going to have a bonfire and snacks. It'll be a fun thing for the whole family. And we're also just going to simply pray on our property for the project, and for what God wants to accomplish in us. Because we've said all along, we want this thing to just be covered and bathed in a lot of prayer. That's what happened to Nehemiah in chapter 1. It's the very first thing that he did when he heard about this potential opportunity. And we want to continue to do that as we march toward our real home together. We also talked about our divine moment and how God has given us the chance to do something right now. And we have the same questions to ask and answer. Will we have the courage to step in and step up and step through this divine moment that God has given to us? Or will we shrink back in fear and say, it's too much, it's too hard, too difficult, we can't do it, let's just stay the way we are. That's the moment in front of us. We talked about that. We also talked about the opportunity and how God has given us an amazing opportunity to have really significant impact in the Delaware Valley, and the time is now for that. We talked about the work and how God wants to build up something inside of us as we seek to build up something for Him. 
And then we also talked about the opposition. And we have a real enemy as well who does not want Valley Point to move forward and does not want Valley Point to succeed. And so we need to stay unified and rally together so that the work and the project can move forward. We're experiencing the same things as Nehemiah. So here's the deal today. We're going to talk about the choice. And the choice is to continue moving forward with generosity leading the way. That's the choice in front of us. It's also our big idea for today. Let's move forward with generosity leading the way. Let's do that, okay? Let's move forward. Let's keep doing that with generosity leading the way. Two questions. What does that even mean? I mean, if we're going to move forward and allow generosity to be out in front of us, to be leading the way, what does that even mean? And is this what happened to Nehemiah? Because the fun thing about what we've studied so far is we've said, here's what Nehemiah did, and here's what we need to do. And then Nehemiah did some of this, so let's do some of that. And then Nehemiah did this stuff, so let's do this stuff as well. So when we think about moving forward and allowing generosity to lead the way, What does that even mean, and did that happen to Nehemiah? So we're going to hang out today in Nehemiah chapter 5, and what we're going to discover here is that God's people need a little alignment check. They're a little out of sorts, and Nehemiah realizes this, recognizes that in the middle of the momentum and in the middle of everything that he has said and everything that they have done already together, there's kind of a problem. And if they don't adjust this, if they don't get back to doing things the way God really wanted them to do them, they were going to have a problem and this project would not continue to go forward. And so this is the choice that Nehemiah was faced with. It's really the same choice that we have. Will we move forward and allow generosity to lead the way? So here's chapter 5. If you have a Bible or a smart device, you can turn there. You'll also find these words on the screen. Here's verse 1. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, here's what we've done. We have mortgaged our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get food during the famine. We've laid it all on the line. And others said, we've had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to even pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it. For our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I, Nehemiah, heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. This is kind of bizarre and awful. So here's what's happening here. God's people had gotten very far from how God wanted them to function with their generosity. It's like God said, here's the ideal. Here's what I want for you. And this is how you should function with what you have, which by the way is from me. So it's not really yours. It's mine, but I've given it to you to manage. And here's what I want you to do with it. It looks like this. 
And God's people said, okay, we can do that. But what we find here in Nehemiah is that God's people began to move very far away from that ideal. And they got way over here. And instead of helping people, they were gouging each other. And the wealthy were charging very high interest rates to their fellow Israelites. What's fascinating about that is if you look at the Mosaic Law, it was very clear in that law that they were not to do that. There was actually a command. There was actually a rule that said an Israelite cannot charge interest on a loan to another Israelite. You are not supposed to do that. And they had, again, gotten very far from God's ideal. They were way over here, and it was causing all kinds of harm and all kinds of chaos to the point where they were actually selling their children into slavery. It's a terrible, 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 awful thing that's happening here, and Nehemiah recognizes it, and so he presents a choice. Verse 9, And I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? Like, isn't that what you should be doing? Shouldn't you have respect for God and get back to the ideal of what he wants for us and from us? Shouldn't we honor God this way? Instead of being over here, we're like, we're like way over here and we got to get back to this. Should we not have enough fear and respect and honor for God that that should be driving our actions right now? Verse 10, I myself as well as my brothers and my workers have been lending the people money and grain but now let us stop this business of charging interest. It's kind of an interesting verse because what Nehemiah is saying here, I've had the same issue. I'm doing the same thing. It's not just you, it's me, and i got to get back to letting generosity lead the way for me. So you must restore their fields, and I'm going to do that too. Vineyards, olive groves, and homes, return them to them this very day and repay the interest you charge when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. And this is all about respecting God and giving him what he wants and what he deserves and what he asked for. Let's just get back to that, Nehemiah said. And let's let generosity kind of lead the way. Verse 12, here's the result. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, If you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. Kind of an interesting thing that Nehemiah does here. What does this even mean? Well, Nehemiah got the people together and he grabbed his real home t-shirt Because he had one, of course, because they were building a real home for God, for others, and for themselves. And so he grabbed his t-shirt, he grabbed his robe, and he just began to shake it out like this. And the symbolism in this culture was very clear. Like, we know exactly what Nehemiah is doing when he begins to shake out his t-shirt. He's getting all of the dirt and all of the dust off of that shirt, so it is useful to be worn again. The people knew. Ah. I remember we've seen this before, and now Nehemiah is shaking this out, and he's saying, this is exactly what God is going to do to us if we don't get back to being generous the way that he wants us to be. God's going to shake us out a little bit. By the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
Because doesn't God do this to us every once in a while? Just kind of shake us out. He gets rid of the dirt and the dust and he forgives again and again and again and again. And that's just how God works and he picks us up and he makes us useful once again. That's not a bad thing. But Nehemiah is saying, hey, look, you have the opportunity to miss this shaking out if we just get back to God's ideal. And the people got it. They're like, whoa, Nehemiah's doing that robe, t-shirt, thing, you know, shaking thing again, and we got to get back to this or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So what you discover here is another response that is incredible and kind of humorous. They respond again by saying the whole assembly said, Amen. Amen, and they praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. That's kind of a funny response to me. Like, all right, we don't want that. We don't want to be shaken out from our homes and from our property, so we'll do what Nehemiah is saying. Amen, so be it. Let's just walk on that path, and the people did it. And what you discover in the rest of chapter 5 is that generosity began to flow, and the work continued And God did the amazing in them with generosity leading the way. So what does this mean for us? In seven days, we're going to step into a commitment Sunday. And I believe next Sunday is going to be a very special day in the history of our church. I think it's going to be very memorable and special where we see a work of generosity like we have never seen before. And as we move from this Sunday to next Sunday, I want us all to be thinking about our role to play in this and to get really soft before God and to have hearts that are very open to Him where we're simply saying, God, I want to share. I want to give. I want to sacrifice and I'll be generous so that Valley Point can take this huge step of faith and build a real home for God where his name can be made great for others who don't even know about God's love and they can come to that kind of a place and discover God's purposes and plans for them. And also for me, for us, where we have the chance to deepen our friendships with others and with God himself. I want us to be thinking about what is God whispering into my heart about this. And so to help us process this in the next few days, I've got just a couple of takeaways. First of all, God loves generosity. God just loves generosity. And it's how he acts and it's what he does. One of the most familiar verses in scripture says, God loved the world so much that he what, church? Let's try it again. God loved the world so much that he... Yeah, that's what God did. And when God gave, he gave of his very best. It wasn't the leftovers. It wasn't the scraps. He gave his one and only son, his special son. And he came and he lived and he died and he rose again for us. That's how generous God is. And he wants us to give of our best. God loves generosity. It's interesting because when we get generous God's way, I think there's a couple of things that happen. One of the things that happens is I really understand and I get who the real owner is. I mean, I just know it, and I sense that. And the real owner is not me, it's God. My time, 
my stuff, my money is not really mine. It's God's, and he's given it to me for a season to manage, and he wants us to manage it well. But it's not mine. The real owner is God. It's God's stuff. And so the other thing that it means is that I can hold God's stuff with open hands. See, often if you're like me, you begin to think that it really is all mine and you worry about if you're going to have enough and so you begin to close these hands and you pull everything close because you're afraid that there might not be enough for me. It's a real fear. That's real. We all walk through that. I think when we truly understand and when we truly get who the real owner is, we can kind of hold everything with open hands and say, God, it's your stuff and God will supply our needs. He's promised that what he'll deliver for us. God loves generosity. He just loves it. And so I think God is going to be very pleased next week as we come and we share and we give and we're generous because God loves, absolutely loves generosity. Here's the second takeaway. And that is my obedience and example can inspire others. In other words, when I really get obedient in this area and I become generous, when that happens, it inspires the people around me, my family and those who know me. They get inspired with generosity. Don't you love amazing stories of generosity? And doesn't that do something on the inside of you that also makes you want to be like that, where you can be generous and you can share? They're inspiring stories. And when I become obedient, my example can be used to inspire other people. When I think about being generous with a real home for Valley Point, that will inspire your family and that will inspire other people as well. Let me share a couple of inspirational stories with you that we've already seen happen in the process of our real home campaign. One of the things that I've loved so much about what's happened around here is our children's ministry and how they're walking through the same content we are in Nehemiah and They've been learning some wonderful things. And the very first couple of weeks, they gave out Lego banks where they asked the kids to put in noisy money and you just bring this back. And we're going to also contribute to this Real Home campaign. This isn't just for old people, right? It's for young people too. And so that's how they got the kids involved. And if you've had a kid and kid point, you know that they probably have that bank and hopefully you've had fun helping them think about generosity and sacrifice with that visual image. Well, they set a goal early that they wanted to reach $700 as a children's ministry, and they would contribute that to the Real Home campaign. And so they've been bringing their banks each and every week. And again, their goal by March 16th is $700, which is a great act of generosity. As of last Sunday, they were already over $800 in our children's ministry. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. And they still have this week and next week. I think they're going to exceed that. And I want you to know that's inspirational to me. And I think it is to you as well. And our kids are really leading the way on this. So let's follow them. Let's take up their heart attitude and move forward with generosity leading the way. I also want to let you know we have a cash goal of $200,000 that just begins to position us 
for what we'll be able to do in terms of moving forward and our groundbreaking. And we already have over $75,000 committed to that without even getting to our March 16th date. Generosity is happening. We're on the right path. It's beginning to shape up here. And we have this amazing opportunity next week to just kind of finish this and move forward with generosity, sharing, True sacrifice, just leading the way. I want to share with you that as a family, Tanya, my wife, and I, and our kids have just had a wonderful time thinking through our role to play in this. And I'm not just asking you to think about what God wants for you. We're having this same conversation as well and have been. And it's been wonderful to just sit down and say, what does God want from us? What can we share? What can we sacrifice? What can we do without so that we can make a cash donation and a three-year commitment and see Valley Point have this real home. What is God saying to us? And it has been an amazing journey. We've been able to talk to our kids. And again, it's been a fun process to see how generosity can lead the way. I have fears. I have doubts about all of this and what it means for us. But I'm ready. We're ready as a family. And I'm asking you to join us as we take this huge step of faith together. We were able to actually capture some of the thoughts that Tanya and I have about where God has been taking us on video. And so I want to share this with you. Let's watch together. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 915 or 11 a.m.